Tiger fans, Isaiah Mosley's defense doesn't concern me at all. Also, I don't think the Tigers need to force adding a center to this roster and the case for an improved Mizzou football defense coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. Thanks for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen today. We are, of course, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And also, a quick shout out. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts and you know what I want to start today by talking about Isaiah Mosley yes the new addition to the Missouri basketball team of course Columbia native Rockbridge alum former state champion of course formerly now of the Missouri State Bears as well and well one thing that's come up online I've noticed we're all drooling about Isaiah Mosley's offensive potential right he's well not even the potential I guess the potential for great things at Missouri but the reality of what a great scorer Isaiah Mosley obviously is well I noticed there's been maybe some naysayers a little bit online going, hey, well, what about that defense? In particular, Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had a tweet out basically saying, hey, you know, that defense leaves a little bit to be desired and also poo-pooed the the offense a little bit. I thought that was kind of strange, to be honest, but I'll just point out one thing, number one. I haven't watched Isaiah Mosley enough to know what kind of defender he is. I'll just be brutally honest there. And and frankly, I really doubt that Ben Fredrickson has watched him that closely on the defensive end of the court either, with all due respect to Ben Fred. But let's always remember to admit what we don't know. And I think if unless you're going to really watch just about every game a guy plays, or at least multiple, multiple full games in a season, it's hard to get a real indication of what type of defender a player is. And especially in this modern era of advanced statistics, right? Everybody wants to come up with the perfect stat to explain everything. Well, some of those statistics are really, really helpful without question. But to me, On the defensive side of the ball, the individual defensive rankings in college basketball mean almost nothing to me. I'm telling you right now, that stuff is absolutely meaningless. It's it's really devoid of any context because there's no way to really measure an individual player's defense in college basketball without by removing it from the team is what I'm trying to say. So guys who are weaker defenders are going to look a lot better on an overall good defensive team. And meanwhile, actually guys who would be pretty strong defenders on an individual basis, maybe on a weak defensive team and well, their individual metrics are going to suffer because of that. And frankly, Let's just go to the man himself, right? New coach Dennis Gates. Well, here's his quote. He says, nobody talks about how he, he being Isaiah Mosley, of course, nobody talks about how he rebounds. He rebounds well for a guard, and I think that's something that should be highlighted. He's better on the defensive side than people give him credit. Well, okay, 
Honestly, again, I'll take Coach Gates' word over anything. Certainly you can say, hey, this is a coach talking his book, talking up his own player, trying to put him over, whatever whatever cliche you want to use. But still, again, let's just wait and see on Mosley's defense. I just can't imagine that as relatively athletic as he is at his size, about six four or 5, it seems like if he's just in the right place and just follows the – just follows Dennis Gates' lead, basically. Follows Charlton Young's lead. Follows their principles. He should be just fine, in my opinion. Now, one thing I would think certainly would help Missouri's defense would be, well, perhaps a rim protector, a center. And certainly, we talked about Jamarian Sharp in this space, the Western Kentucky center who I believe everybody around the Missouri program was pretty darn confident they were going to land. The leading shot blocker in the country, seven foot five. Well, long story short, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. So now Missouri still looking for that defensive anchor in the middle of the paint. But here's something I want to say very clearly. While certainly I would have taken Jamarian Sharp, no question about it. And I'm sure there are players out there available, quite possibly, who I would take too. But I want to emphasize that Missouri doesn't have to have a center. They absolutely don't have to. We don't need to waste a scholarship on a guy that's a stiff. In fact, I'm not interested in that whatsoever. And in fact, let's go back to the Frank Haith era. I think one of Frank's biggest mistakes was in his last season with the Tigers, he forced a center onto the roster. And unfortunately, again, no disrespect, but I'm sorry, that man was Keanu Post. He forced him into the ro- not only the roster, but the starting lineup for most of the season, when in fact what Frank Haith should have learned from his first season with the Tigers, the 11-12 season, was that, hey, you can go small in college basketball if you have enough shooting, and you can win. Well, the next year, 2013, Frank Haith, Obviously, there's a roster reset there that was obviously not as successful as as the previous season with all those Mike Anderson seniors and everything, Marcus Denman, etc. But that 13 team was still pretty good. And Alex Oriaki, the center, the transfer from UConn, well, he was a big part of that. And Oriaki was a really, really good player. And you know what? If there's an Alex Oriaki type out there for the 2022-2023 Missouri Tigers, I'll take him in a heartbeat. But again, the 2014 Tigers, remember that squad? Remember young Jonathan Williams and Jordan Clarkson and Jabari Brown? Well, and Ernest Ross. You know, there's a decent amount of talent on that team. But, again, I I just think the construction of, oh, let's just force this center in there, I thought that was a huge mistake, especially in retrospect by Frank Haith. He should have just played small, played Jonathan Williams at center for the most part. Sure, he'd have gotten pushed around a little bit inside, but you know what? You don't think Matt Pressey and Ricardo Ratliff got pushed around and Kim English occasionally in the paint, but guess what? The Tigers made up for it by actually scoring the basketball. And you know what? That 14 team could have done that for sure with guys like Jordan Clarkson and Jabari Brown. Are you kidding me? So all I'm trying to say is I'm not comparing necessarily this roster to that roster this coming season for the Tigers, but I do think it's a good lesson to remind yourself that, hey, while yes, having size is great in basketball, skill is actually more important. Let's not forget that.
And coming up, I want to talk about how perhaps Isaiah Mosley, the Columbia native and big-time scorer, can maybe move the needle next year. The first player to do so, perhaps, since Michael Porter Jr.? Who knows? Maybe not to that extent. I want to talk about that and also Mosley reportedly getting quite a bit of NIL money to come back to Columbia. But first, hey, did you know the Boston Celtics are playing the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals? Yeah, I bet you did. But you might not know that the Celtics are minus four tonight at home, game four. I got to say, at the risk of being accused of recency bias, I got to lean the Celtics tonight over at betonline.net. Steph Curry, that that possible foot injury there late in the game, that has me a bit concerned, I have to admit. But you know what's not concerning? Trusting your money over with betonline.net because they're the only people we truly trust here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Whether you're into the NBA, maybe it's baseball, maybe it's mixed martial arts, whatever it is, just head to betonline.net today for all your betting needs. Again, it's BetOnline, where the game starts. And by rockauto.com. You know what? With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out on the road these days, all types of foreign cars, domestic cars, electric vehicles, everything out there you can possibly imagine, well, it's all pretty good these days. That's the plus. And you know what's even better? When things occasionally go wrong, you can save money at rockauto.com because you don't have to get ripped off by the dealerships by those big box stores, you've got access to everything you could possibly imagine at rockauto.com. It's all in your pocket. They're easy to navigate website, tons of options from value brands to all the premium stuff. You've got everything you could possibly imagine. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably, low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com And a quick reminder, this coming Thursday, the ultimate NBA mock draft starts with over 50 insiders. Nothing quite equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board experts plus the Odyssey insiders First pick is again this coming Thursday. Just search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. This is going to be a real interesting draft year. Well, of course, we Missouri fans all remember the beginning of the Michael Porter Jr. era and especially all of the excitement and season tickets and individual tickets in general, just butts and seats that that resulted in Mizzou Arena. Well, all that excitement and potential basketball greatness came with a cost. And at that time, that cost was, well, guess what, Conzo Martin? You're going to have to hire Michael Porter Sr. and put him on your staff. Well, nowadays, (laughs) the cost seems to be a little bit different in terms of name, image, and likeness. Now, instead of paying the guy's dad, you just get to pay the guy. I got to say, In a way, that seems like an improvement, doesn't it? But just the reality is, according to Art Haynes, Art Haynes here, by the way, the Missouri State radio play-by-play guy, he also does pre- and post-game coverage for the Kansas City Chiefs, he reported on his sports talk show that former Missouri State star Isaiah Mosley, of course, has an NIL deal with somebody 
in this area that will pay him about $250,000 per year, and he gets the use of a house and an automobile as part of this package as well. And hey, again, I have no problem with this. I really don't. Apparently, there's been a lot of under-the-table automobiles being handed out over many, many years. This is nothing new in college sports, so hey, what the heck? If somebody at a if if somebody at the I almost said a, a, a local car dealer's name we'll we'll keep it out of it I was just going to be I was just going to use an example there but the point is this kind of stuff has been happening for years it doesn't really change the sport now the transfer portal that's a whole other thing but let's put that debate aside for a second we've gone into enough of that for now I think what's interesting is. Does this really move the needle? Does this move the needle like Michael Porter Jr. does for $250,000 per year? That's a big amount of money. Now, presumably, this is just going to be a one-year deal. I think Mosley will be with the Tigers for one season. Correct me if I'm wrong here because it does get difficult at times to ascertain what exactly everybody's eligibility is. But it just goes to show you, For right now, anyway, the cost of doing business in NIL is extraordinarily high. Because as good as I think Isaiah Mosley is, I think we can all agree he's no Michael Porter Jr. He's not going to be a potential lottery pick. Or certainly, Michael Porter Jr., before he had his injury problems, was thought to be a first or second overall in the NBA type pick. He doesn't have that type of talent. And this is a one-year deal. That's why I do think this is a fair comparison. Everybody assumed MPJ was a one-and-done. So again, a one-year deal, essentially, though Michael Porter Sr. hung around for a little bit longer because of Jonte Porter as well. So again, not a perfect comparison, but I just think what you're going to see happening is eventually, I think this may... We may look back at this as the halcyon day for players in terms of years from now, we might look back on this as the salad days of guys just getting tons and tons of cash because at a certain point, guys who rich guys are going to want to see a return on their investment. Yeah, you may say they have money to burn, but generally rich guys like to see a return on their investment. That's my experience. That's from my experience. So If it turns out that this Isaiah Mosley thing works out, Missouri makes the NCAA tournament and, I don't know, as a 10 seed or something, loses in the first round, well, is that going to do it for you in the long run? I'm not so sure about that. So I just think the amount of money being thrown around right now, it's sort of like it's all so new and exciting, I'm sure, to a lot of these guys. I've got to think at a certain point this money is going to dry up a little bit. There's going to be a market correction, if you will. Don't get me wrong, I still think the absolute elite guys like your Michael Porter Jr. type players, yeah, I mean, they're still going to get massive, massive hauls. Guys like Luther Burden, sure, they're still going to get their six figures plus. I don't have any doubt about that, but those guys are the difference makers, and it just seems like, boy, we're really getting to a point. If if guys like Trevin Brazil, who, while a nice player, is he gonna is he even gonna start for Arkansas next year? We'll find out. Is he one of their five, six most important players? Maybe, but at a certain point, if you're spending that kind of money on on those players, I, you know, I just don't know what kind of return you're getting on your investment. And changing gears to football here to finish out the show. You know, we all know that Missouri struggled mightily on the defensive side of the ball to start the season. They got a little bit better toward the second half of the season. Can that momentum carry 
into 2022 despite the change at defensive coordinator? Well, I think it possibly can, and I'm going to make the case for that going forward, coming up. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Yes, the greatest tasting protein bar of all time, without question. But not only are they covered in 100% chocolate, not only are they chewy and delicious, you also get 17 grams of protein, low calories at about 130 calories per bar and only four grams of sugar. I would replace a regular brownie with a built caramel brownie bar in a heartbeat. That's how good they are. Again, it's the best of both worlds. They're tasty and they're relatively healthy as well. So with built, tasty is the new healthy. Go to built.com, get your box of caramel brownie bars Right now, again, built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Clearly, the quarterback position has been the focus of the Missouri offseason, but plenty of other questions to answer on this roster, as there are every single offseason. But I will say, on paper, maybe it's just my black and gold tinted shades are getting the best of me but on paper I have to say I like this Missouri defense at least the the first page of the depth chart now once we get into the second string and uh, now we're getting a little a little bit questionable now we're really you've really got a lot of questions there so I think health is going to be an enormous thing as it always is but especially for Missouri compared to a team obviously like Georgia who has just so much more depth but again, on paper, hey, look at that Missouri defensive line, first of all. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing this 2022 defensive line to some of the best units of, of the recent past or anything, but I think this should be Missouri's best pass rushing group for quite a while. You start with Trey John Jeffcoat, who I believe was a little bit banged up last season, was maybe not quite as productive as he was in 2020 at least on paper right the pure total statistics especially in terms of sacks but I think he can bounce back and have a big season this year I also think Isaiah McGuire is a really really solid SEC level defensive end so I'm not worried about him whatsoever then you add on the interior the kid from Oklahoma State Jaden Jernigan I think he's a he's a solid player especially hey an interior pass rusher a guy who can put a little pressure on the quarterback that never hurt anybody now here's the weak point though unfortunately Darius Robinson a guy who absolutely looks the part athletically he's just never been able to quite stay on the field just in terms of of injury number 1 and also at times production so Maybe this is the year that Robinson puts it all together. Perhaps there's somebody else on the back end of the roster who can supplant him. Supplant, excuse me. I put an extra R in there for some reason. It's Pirate Day, R. Just kidding, that was a terrible joke. But back to the Missouri defensive line, I think you're looking at really one of the finest overall groups Missouri has had in a few years. Then behind him, I actually think at linebacker, Chad Bailey really emerged in the second half of the season. I thought that was one of the reasons why Missouri got better defensively. And then you have the transfer from Florida, Tyron Hopper. He'll be starting at weak side linebacker. To me, 
he's an obvious upgrade over Blaze Aldridge. No offense to Blaze. He got better as the season went along. I thought Missouri used Blaze and his strengths better as the season went along, too. But I don't think it's insane or even controversial to say that Hopper will be a pretty significant upgrade over Blaze Aldridge. So there's there's your case for an improved Missouri front seven right there, or front six, if you will. I guess we're playing a nickel these days, right? And speaking of the front seven, I guess a guy who would be the closest to a linebacker would probably be Martez Manuel, and it seems like he is going to play pretty much the same role he's played the last few seasons for Missouri as sort of a hybrid linebacker safety type. Now, obviously he has more of a safeties type body, but I think Manuel is at his best, in my opinion, when he's playing close to the line of scrimmage. He's a guy who likes to hit, seeks out the contact, especially for a guy. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's not the smallest either. But again, for a guy of his size, he likes to bring the lumber. So keep him around the line of scrimmage. But a guy, again, who's quick enough, athletic enough, he can cover a tight end or a guy in the slot. Now, speaking of the slot, I would say... Chris Abrams' drain was really, really good last season. I think there's been a lot of watchers of college football who would agree with that statement. So I guess the question would be, is he so good do we need to move him to the outside to play corner? Well, I'd say probably not. I think you leave Chris Abrams' drain in the slot. And frankly, the way the game is played these days, well, covering slot receivers is an incredibly important aspect of the game those guys are often your chain movers for sure when it's third and five and you've got a really good slot receiver well you're going to be looking to that guy thank Tommy Saunders from back in the day TJ Moe somebody like that well to me you leave Chris Abrams drain there I think DJ Jackson was impressive down the stretch last year. Of course, Missouri is going to miss a Caleb Evans. In a perfect world, he'd be he'd play more than one season for the Tigers, right? But unfortunately, he's off to the NFL. He played rather well last season, obviously. But you know what? DJ Jackson, the young guy late in the season there, really showed out. And even though it was limited action, that gives you some hope, a lot of hope, I would say, for this year. So the biggest question, and really the biggest key, I guess, is Ennis Rakestraw's recovery from his ACL reconstruction. How's his knee looking? How's he, how's he feeling? How's he looking? Does he have the same burst and speed and quickness that he had from before? How quickly does that come back? Is he a little bit hesitant on there? All of these things are, are up in the air at this point. I think we've almost, as fans, we've almost started to take ACL tears for granted. You just think, oh, he tore his ACL, that sucks, but he'll be back in nine months or whatever. But unfortunately, not all players, not all injuries are created the same, not all recoveries are created the same, so I just don't want us to assume too much and just put way too much pressure on Rakestraw before he's ready, but frankly, how he plays this season could be a really important key for this defense because it seems like again DJ Jackson kind of like him on the outside young guy with limited with limited action but a lot of potential Chris Abrams drain looks good in the slot well who do you put in that third corner spot if not Rakestraw I'm not really sure who the answer is at this point there isn't an obvious one and finally the actual back end safeties let's say JC Carlisle and Joseph Charleston I think that should be a solid combination, but again, sort of like the linebackers, once you get past that first wave of depth, I don't know that there's a lot of obvious 
answers. If if injuries pop up, which you know they're going to do. It's football. It's a physical sport. There's going to be injuries every season. Unless you just get extraordinarily lucky, there's going to be a guy or two who gets knocked out of your, your first string. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully these guys will not miss a snap, not a single one of them. But you do have to factor that into your analysis. So even though on paper, the first string, I, I like a lot of the pieces with Missouri. It, it does hinge on a young man, Ennis Rakestraw, and his his knee, and also a lot of other inexperience in the secondary as well. So that part's concerning. But up front, I really like Missouri's defensive line. I also think the two linebackers are going to be good as well. So that front six gives me a lot of reason for hope, at least at this point. But you know what? Hey. Thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen today, as always. Also, make your second listen, Locked On NBA Big Board. Our hosts of experts give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time... I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.